Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch With Jen and Friends. If Watch With Jen is the studio track, this is the acoustic version. Today's guest is Travis Woods. Friendly, feisty, fresh, and funny. Brightwall Darkroom staff writer and contributing editor Travis Woods is as passionate about film as he is a joy on social media, endearingly supportive of all who love cinema, particularly crime films, thrillers, and noir, as much as he does. From directors to critics to screenwriters to fans, Travis Woods welcomes fellow film obsessives onto his insightful podcast, Increment Vice, which explores Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice, one fascinating scene at a time, and is produced by his internet husband, Blake Howard's One Heat Minute Productions. A Missouri native, that's right, I'm wrapping up round one of my Missouri Boy Trio that started with our mutual friends Jordan Harper and Jed Ayers. Travis currently lives and works in Los Angeles with his dog, Kobe. The only person I know who's even more obsessed with a long goodbye than Peter Avellino. Travis has a tattoo of Elliot Gould smoking that was once called to the legend's attention at a screening of the movie. When he isn't tweeting about detectives, dogs, or detectives with dogs, you can usually find Travis avoiding a deadline, whipping up one of his masterful film essays, or thinking about the movies that obsess him the most. I've been really looking forward to having him on Watch with Jen, and I can't wait to introduce you to Travis Woods. Welcome, Travis. Travis, thank you so much. And I wanted to dive in and say, how are you doing? And how are you adapting to pandemic life? I know today was insane. So we're going to start with that right off the bat. (laughs) (laughs) How do you like that? No. Oh, I like it. And, you know, bless your heart. Bless your heart for what a what a wonderful intro you gave me, uh, which I don't deserve. But, yes, you, you know, do. you've got like a second career as like a hype person with stuff like that. Like I, like I would just, <laughs> like, just like lead into a room before I walk in and just hype me up like that. That'd be great. Um, how am I how am I adapting to pandemic life? Well, uh, if your listeners could see me right now, they'd see I am holding a gigantic once upon a time in Hollywood tumbler full of Johnny Walker black. Uh, that's how I'm doing, Jen. That's, <laughs> that, that's, that's how I'm doing. Uh, oh, God, you know, um, I'm surviving. I'm, I'm all right. I'm lucky. Um, I got a job and I know that I'm lucky to say that right now. Um other than that, I think I'm probably just about as miserable <laughs> miserable as everyone else. And, uh, eh, you know, how am I adapting? I'll t- oh, you know what? This is an interesting question. Um, I've noticed that kind of a through line in your discussions is you'll, you'll, you'll ask someone how they're doing, what they're watching. And, you know, it, it, it all seems – we all seem to be kind of falling into the lunar pull of, well, I'm watching comfort food. I'm watching my comfort mm-hmm. food shit. Uh, and, and I'm doing the same, but uh, with kind of a – a slant on it. And I feel like as so much of the, the weird sprawl of, of the city that I love, my, my sweet Los Angeles has been under lockdown for like the last four goddamn months. And, you know, from 
downtown concrete to boiling valley murk to beachside dunes they've all mostly just emptied the hell out and so i found myself increasingly nostalgic for the colors and the hustle bustle and fuck god help me the traffic uh the noise the people faces uh of of, of la that are just not there anymore because it's a goddamn ghost town and as such i've been diving deeper into comfort food comfort foods Come, uh, bless you, Johnny Walker, into comfort <laughs> <laughs> comfort food films. Uh, that's really that 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 specific specifically kind of highlight the the city that was the L.A. that was, you know. Um, so there's been there's been a lot of L.A. topographies on my screen lately, like end of the era LGs from an era of ice, which is a uh, kind of an obvious one. Um, I'm you, you ever see that movie? Uh, uh, conspiracy theory with Mel Gibson, where he played a madman assassin oh, yeah. Had, yeah. who has to buy uh, Catcher in the Rye every time he sees it in a bookstore. Every time I think or see anything Inherent Vice related, I have to sit down and watch Inherent Vice for I'm not normal again. It's it's a whole thing. It's in it's it's, it's, it's in the DSM five. It's a whole thing. Uh, there's that uh, like Hal Ashby shampoo. Oh gosh, shampoo. Watching a Love big old big old pompadour Warren Beatty. Uh, on a mo- just motorcycling around LA or speaking of that and I'm just I'm just totally taking over here and I apologize to everyone listening uh, model shop shock to me's model yes. shop just great movie anyone out there who digs Cliff Booth in once upon a time in Hollywood just driving around LA it's like 95 minutes of just this super depressed dude driving around LA it's like definitely one of those pr- proto uh, super super like on we on my main street everyone is speaking in this very kind of proto don delillo depressed french philosopher speak and it's real pretentious but it's beautiful to look at and it's essentially a postcard of la in 1969 and then you throw on throw on some bob and carol and ted and alice and cutter's way even that's santa barbara and then once upon a time in hollywood um that's been my that's been my comfort food is LA movies, LA movies, LA movies, and more LA movies because they let me live in my city that I really can't live in right now and I can't get around in right now. And so if I want uh, drinks at Barney's Beanery or if I want lunch at the original farmer's market, I just throw on body double and watch them all slicked in a porny haze. And if I want (laughs) to, oh, oh my God, if I want to eat it, my all time favorite and now permanently COVID closed diner, which would be swingers on Beverly, my beloved swingers. I can see it now by watching um, the, that cataclysmically fatal locker room shootout at the end of to live and die in LA, which is directly across from swingers. That's, that's how I'm seeing my city is I'm essentially oh, wow. just uh, binging uh, on all the movies I, I already all, always watch, but mm-hmm. now they're they're touched with this kind of haunting melancholy and this they're like a like a postcard to the before time that seems more and more distant with each passing day, and they they come for me by reminding me of my city that I that I love so much and I miss so desperately. And sweet Jesus, whose streets I long to drive way too fast upon while listening to the Heat soundtrack at top goddamn volume. <laughs> um, yeah, I and so yeah, they're, they're they're love letters to the city, and that has really been, I think, my coping mechanism, aside from the Johnny Walker and the Jack Daniels, uh, my coping mechanism has just been to swim 
in every LA movie I can possibly think of. And yeah, that's, that's my really weird, pretentious, depressing answer to that. How about you? What are you doing? What are you doing besides podcasting? How are you living through this? Oh, well, I still watch, I go for new stuff. And then I also like to call up old movies. I haven't watched in forever. And yeah, it just depends. For some reason, since I wrote about Catherine Bigelow last summer, I've been watching oh. like all of the Catherine Bigelow movies. And this year, I'm also watching a bunch of Cameron Crowe movies because I love them. And people always say I'm a Cameron Crowe character, so take it for what that is. But yeah, Aww, I've been revisiting that. a bunch of those movies and also just sprinkling in I don't know. I get really obsessive when it comes to writing about something. Like I just wrote about Tony Lung, so I watched way too many Tony Lung movies. Before that, it was Francis McDormand. So I watched just, you know, like two to three times as many movies as I really needed to watch in order to write about them. But it's just, it gives you something to do, a sense of purpose. And it's cool to revisit some of these, especially right now. God, that's yeah. wild. You actually sound like someone who enjoys writing, which is literally the most miserable experience on planet Earth, the act of writing. And you enjoy it. You, you dig it. I enjoy, like, the research part. It's I love having written. Editing is where I live. I can do that, like, all the time. But My the God. actual sitting down and writing the first draft, no, that's just hell yeah, on Earth. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a bunch of hammers to the face. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> This is going to turn into a therapy session real quick because I've had a long day today, Jim. I don't like writing. I don't like okay. it. I don't enjoy it. And I get really upset when I hear people that like it, especially people like you who do it well. It's just infuriating. It's infuriating yeah. to hear. Sorry. Well, you're a brilliant writer, but I actually don't know that I trust somebody who's a writer who loves sitting <sighs> down and writing like a first draft. It's like, what is wrong with you? Like, that's I would on. literally rather do anything. I would, I would rather be at the dentist. I would rather be sitting at the dentist all day than, <laughs> than write anything. I, I, I absolutely, absolutely hate it. The only thing that feels better than submitting a piece of writing and being done with it is just quitting halfway through. It's just walking away and abandoning it. Oh, really? I can't I hate do that. It. I absolutely, I, oh, oh, just, there's nothing like a cool breeze in my hair, Jen, walking away <laughs> from a piece and just saying, you know what? No, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm going to go watch Lethal Weapon 2 for the 67th time. It's a good feeling. Wow. It's a really good. It's a, but I, I'm also a profoundly lazy man. So, you know, what can you do? No, no. Well, I was going to say, and this kind of <laughs> is a strange segue now, but your pieces on Brightwall are so insightful <laughs> and they're articulate and precise. And it's like, are you kind of reading my mind here and just like messing with my order of questions i think you know what you're doing travis i think that's what's going on no just messing with you. i never i no, i never do I, I i fall ass backwards into everything so this is purely accidental but go ahead please shower me with compliments. i'm enjoying this thing Thank well you. i was just gonna ask how you um got involved with Brightwall dark room and how long does one of your long-form essays take to write? <laughs> I mean, after, of course, you take a break, you say you're quitting, you watch Lethal Weapon for 67th oh, time oh, or boy, whatever. I my, but, my, you poor, know. My, my poor editor, Chad, every single essay that ever gets submitted gets submitted with my resignation. Every single one. <laughs> I, you, you laugh. It's not a joke. I submit every single one being like, look, if this is the one where you cut me loose, I understand. Um, 
how did I uh, get started with Brightwell? Well, uh, well, first off, Brightwell Darkroom, and I, uh, not to sound like a total whore, uh, I think is just one of the absolute best, purest, most wonderful examples of uh, film criticism out there. It's a really, really great home for writers and for nurturing writers and for pushing writers to look a little bit deeper and a little bit more humanely at films. And I just I just absolutely love the work that's being done there. Not mine. I, I hate myself, but like, I absolutely love the work <laughs> I do uh, being done by everybody else there. Uh, as for how I got started there, oh, it was just, you know, pure like existential despair and desperation and feeling like I wasn't writing anything, which I wasn't. And so, uh, you know, just uh, I, I cranked out a, an essay on uh, Bob Fosse's All That Jazz one day and just kind of fired it off into the ether. They dug it. And then uh, I was like, oh, wow, you'll 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 actually pay me to write about Brian De Palma's porn fascination. <laughs> and you'll let me write about Lynn, Lynn Ramsey and you're never really here and Miami blues and uh 1983's uh breathless remake which by the way all you hip kids out there is better than godard's original it is it is <laughs> jim mcbride 1983 richard gear everybody go check that one out it's good um but no but I, I just reached out uh sent them some stuff they dug it and um to my eternal shock and their probable regret uh they've kept me on as an editor ever since um and what was your other question? How long do those things take? Yeah, how long do your essays? <laughs> Not your, um, um, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because I can't that, imagine. Did that take, like, a month? It seems like it would have. Well, your massive, I, <laughs> personal opus, uh, which was brilliant. Yeah. But uh, yeah. That one, I started writing the day I saw the movie. Planned to have it re- published that month. And then that was one of those where I was just like, no, I quit. I'm done. I quit. And I just, uh, I, I, I hated it and I threw it away. Um, and then just kind of on a whim came back to it. Uh, let's see. No, it didn't take a month. Uh, all of my pieces are basically written in one panicked week. Uh, uh, everything I do is basically three weeks of me watching the movie over and over again, telling myself that that counts as research um and then uh i cry a whole lot and write something in like a week and try not to ever look at it again uh so you know about that i I, maybe maybe a week two weeks um they're all way too long and they're all they're all very uh they're very very pretentious but um yeah that's that's about it yeah two weeks i would say okay with with a lot of with a lot of crying and thumb sucking and um blackouts and uh crawling under my bed and hugging my dog and uh, uh telling myself that this is the last one and i'm gonna quit after this and i can just be happy uh and then like i keep getting roped in wow i remember i think on twitter actually when you were working on this you printed off your essay or a draft of it and you were like i'm done i'm walking away or you said something like that like and that you were quitting or you made some sort of remark like that. And I thought, no, he's going to come back. He's obsessed with this movie. He's <laughs> oh, going to do it. <laughs> yes. And oh, sure enough, he did. Know. And it was a masterpiece. And it was like, yep, there's Travis. He'll be back. So. Um, well, while we're at it, do you have any more embarrassing tweets of mine that you'd like to ask me about <laughs> why we, we do the show tonight? Uh, if you got any more, let's just go through them. And we'll, uh, we'll probe my psyche together via my, my Twitter shtick. 
your Twitter shtick. Uh-huh. Well, you did inspire me to actually revisit Breathless 1983. Oh, fucking hey, would you you loved it, yeah? Yeah, it was a blast. Are you kidding? It was when I oddly started to tweet along to I think it was American Gigolo first. <laughs> and then I watched Internal Affairs. Mm-hmm. And then it was like I did three or four Richard Gear movies, kind of accidentally just stumbled into this whole gear thing. And sure. you and Larry and it was like two or oh, three yeah. other people. Yeah, Karazuski loves that movie. Yes. Kept after me about Breathless. And I was like, you know, I'll do it. And sure enough, um, I think Drew had it and I was able to watch it. And yeah. Horniest movie, horniest American movie ever made, I'm pretty sure. Uh, it um, is. He tries to get it on with the shower. And oh, first well, it's the car. Well, well now, well, what's great about that is, uh, <laughs> what's great about this movie is it's also, uh, you know, the, the, the original, which I'm not as crazy about as everybody else is. Uh, the original, you know, it's about a, a Frenchman's love affair with American culture. Yeah. And this film is about an American's love affair with American culture. And there's a it's, there's a there's an artifice there, uh, the, the, an intentional artifice, but it's a, it's a really fascinating artifice that is hypersexualized and and and, and plastic and weird. And oh, yeah. there's uh, what an amazing scene it is that Richard Gere plays this guy. He accidentally kills a cop. Same premise as the original. He accidentally kills a cop and he's on the lam. And he's he's trying to convince this girl he had a fling with in Vegas who now lives in L.A. Oh, Breathless, another wonderful L.A. topography of all sorts mm-hmm. of places that just don't exist anymore. I really, really recommend everyone check out the Shout Factory Blu-ray for, for 1983's Breathless. Richard Gere, directed by Jim McBride. Uh, written by McBride and Ellen K- Carson, who also did Paris, Texas, which is a wild about face. But anyway, we're, we're, I'm going off on the thing. <laughs> so um, there's a there's a great scene where Gear he's on the lam from the cops and he's watching the news and the news is like this, this guy Jesse Lujak he killed a cop and he's he's on a, we're looking for him he's on the news he sees his face he knows the cops are closing in. the news is tightening and he just found out that the girl he loves she had sex with another guy the night before and he's all upset and he's in her apartment she's taking a shower. And he, he, he can't perform. And what does he do? He literally – and everybody put earmuffs on the kids, ask them to leave the room uh, – wills himself into having an erection by singing Elvis's Suspicious Minds oh, to his God, groin. Oh, God, I remember that. Yeah. He literally <laughs> – like, but in as goofy as that sounds, it's this incredible metaphor for obsession with pop culture and love of pop culture that he uses – the king, he uses singing Elvis uh, to physi- physiologically rewire himself to overcome all of his anxieties and his terrors and his phobias and his insecurities and uh, uh, hop in the shower with his gal. It's just uh, – it's, so it's, it's the kind of movie if you want to see uh, Richard Gere arouse himself by singing Suspicious Minds uh, to a shower um, that, that's the movie for you. That's the movie for you. And it's re- amazing soundtrack, too. My God. We should do a whole episode on Breathless now. I'm, really, I'm getting kind of on a thing here. I'm, it's a really, really great movie. Everyone, go watch Breathless tonight. Tonight, watch Breathless. Do it for your old pal, Travis. Yes. I think you just <laughs> poor, made poor everybody go immediately rent that movie right now. I think. And you probably sold like a million of the Shout Factory Blu rays. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you did. That. For sure. I was going to ask you, okay, I know you wrote about that one, mm-hmm. and 
Do you have like a set list of films you still want to tackle for Brightwall or for wherever? Or do you kind of let inspiration hit you depending on the monthly theme? How does that work? Uh, both, I think. I don't know. Um, you know, I'm not the world's deepest thinker as much as you're you're hyping me up over here because you are a great hype person. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I've always got some shit in my back pocket. Um, uh, I've been meaning to do uh, maybe a long piece or maybe even a book on something related to Francis Ford Coppola, but not the things that people would expect it to be. Um, there's, I, I want to do a big piece on kind of the post classics films of, uh, of, uh, Coppola. Um, you know, other than that, uh, no. Oh, you know what? Destroyer. I really, I would love to do something with, uh, with Kusama's Destroyer with, with Nicole okay. Kidman. I, um, I find that to be a deeply underrated film and I'm not really sure why, it seems that that one got passed by. I don't know if people thought there was some kind of shtick there because it's Nicole Kidman in a wig or something like that. But mm-hmm. I found that to be an incredibly uh, gorgeous and harrowing, absolutely harrowing and riveting and redemptive uh, cop story, which if anyone who knows me knows, that's kind of my bullshit. Uh, and it's just, I, I, I would love to tackle uh, Destroyer at some point. I think that, yeah, I think that deserves way more attention than it got. Okay. Editors, contact Travis for Destroyer. <laughs> hey, I'm yes, your hype woman, right? That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. You are. Go go, yeah. go ahead. Do your thing. Bring a, bring a, bring a boombox, though. Okay. I will. John Cusack. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, come on. Do it. Up. Yeah, for sure. Hey, what you we, want is Travis hey. on Destroyer. No, wow. go ahead. Hey, uh, I'm going to throw you off course here for a second. We should we should probably mention, um, I'm like, what, chapter? I'm chapter three here in your Missouri Boys trilogy, no? Yes, you are. All right, yeah. Um, me, uh, uh, old Jordan Harper, and uh, Jed Ayers, your mm-hmm. Missouri, your Missouri crime shit guys. Yes. Do, do we need some context for that? I, I'm I'm such a bad I'm such a bad guest. Uh, here I am taking over your show. You know what? I'm just gonna sit back. You do your thing. I, I'm 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 being rude. I'm I'm talking over you. You go ahead. It actually fits though. I was looking back, like, how did I first meet Travis on Twitter? And you know embarrassing not really but i am gonna spoil your shtick here a little bit Uh the first time we interacted you slid into my dms to share jordan's la confidential pilot which was amazing let's let's make clear i I was sharing the pilot i was not sliding in your dms to slide in your dms oh not Uh, at all no sliding in literally let's just say of course we were we were talking about um we were talking about uh, his his pilot, and he said it was okay to share with you. Yeah, um, the, so cool of you. The amazing, amazing, oh my God, the amazing. If people out there don't know, uh, Jordan Harper is a crime writer and television writer and film writer who hails from the same corner of Southwest Missouri that I do. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we're just a couple years apart. And uh, he is kind of being – he's this v- just total I – don't, I don't even want to say inheritor to, to, to Elroy because he's, he's so doing his own thing. But he did uh, write this amazing pilot for an L.A. Confidential series for CBS. And it didn't get picked up. But the pilot, the pilot. Gorgeous. Oh, my, it is – I would straight up say – and I know this sounds hyperbolic, but I promise you I mean it. 
and I promise you, I'm not saying it just because I like the guy. It was straight up the most fully formed world and yes. noirishly deep and enriching and terrifying and entertaining pilot that I have seen since the the pilot uh, for the original first season of Twin Peaks. It's that is that fucking good. And yeah, that's 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 right. That's how you and I think uh, you and I became yeah. friends. Is is we were, Jordan said I could I could share it with you, and I, I I slipped it to you, and it was just, and you were like you were one of those people that got it immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously CBS didn't. Um, CBS, you fucked up. Uh, I but, know. Uh, I am still mad at CBS for that. I mean, I, I, I mean, at the same on. time, I mean, I it, it obviously, you know, it's a very dark and violent yeah. show. But you know, I really feel like this would have been one of those zeitgeist grabbing shows. That this would have been like a primetime CBS like version of Mad Men, not in terms of content, but in certain just in terms of just capturing the zeitgeist and capturing attention. And it was just so wondrous and luxuriate luxurious and dark and harrowing and hard-edged all at once and it created a world you know maybe it, it makes me think of once upon a time in hollywood actually because it created a world you want to live in it created as fearful mm-hmm. and strange and ugly as the world is that world is that the jordan was was kind of wrenching from elroy's book it's um here i am going on a whole tangent about uh jordan's tv show but yeah uh I'll give the guy a free plug it's really really great and anyway, mm-hmm. but yeah, he was uh, he's part of your Missouri Boys trilogy, as I said. And then we also have yeah. the amazing, the amazing yeah. Jet Ayers, um, who will get mad at me if I say this, probably. But um, it just just a novelist of extraordinary power. And mm-hmm. uh, if anyone is I think it's it's slid out of print. But if anyone if you come across in a used bookshop, Jet Ayers is fierce bitches. Uh Let's say you've read all of Cormac McCarthy's work and and you're looking for something else. Uh, Fierce Bitches is the way to go. It is a staggering, uh, absolutely brain-busting, synapse-collapsing work of art that I adore. He also wrote the wonderful Peckerwood. Uh, and Jordan, Jordan's got some great books. Uh, she writes Shotgun and Love and Other Wounds. And God help me, I don't know why. I am uh, promoting everybody else's work and not mine, but I highly <laughs> recommend as the as the caboose to um, this, this 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 chain of of Missouri f- uh, crime obsessed fellas that have been on Jen's show. I highly highly recommend their work. They they, they are great 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 writers and uh, really good guys. Yeah, say I think I'm contagious here. Like I'm your hype woman, and now you're their hype man. But <laughs> it's not even hype. You guys are all it's, great. Well, you're the you know. only people I know from Missouri. So I've loved this <laughs> well, over the lucky. last you're, year. You're, you're lucky. You're lucky. In no. uh, it's uh, but uh, yeah, I gotta I gotta rep my fellow Missouri, my Missouri boys. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they're they're really good guys, and uh, you, you know I highly recommend. Again, if anyone's looking for a really good read, check out uh, Jordan Harper's uh, She Rides Shotgun or Jed Ayers' Peckerwood, which I believe is still in print. And if if you really want to dig, uh, find his uh, Fierce Bitches, with it, which is again just one of the the most uh, nourishing and haunting reads that I've had in I think the last two or three years. It's an absolutely uh, amazing work of art. Did you know them back there, or did you guys? No, just sort it's, it's of... funny. It's it, I, I, you know, Jed lives up north in St. Louis, and that's that's pretty far away from where I hail from. But mm-hmm. uh, Jordan and I essentially came out of the same town. Uh, he was oh, just wow. a couple couple years older than me, so we we didn't cross paths, but we hung out at all the same places. And um, 
God help the the poor listeners to my my show increment vice where I think the first 20 minutes we basically just talked talked about the the best barbecue shacks and best barbecue joints in Springfield Missouri where we both come from because uh, there's some really good eating down there um, <laughs> state state it's not good for much but it does have dyna- just dynamite barbecue um, but the, no we actually never met until we were all you know uh, Jordan and I were in LA and in fact. Uh, one of the last fun things I did before the ham- the COVID hammer came down was Jordan and I went to go see uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead at the Egyptian Theater, which is kind of an appropriate cool. movie. It wasn't on purpose, but that was kind of an appropriate movie to sign off to a civilization with. Wow. Excuse me. I'm wrong. Day of the Dead. I think I said Dawn of the Dead. Again, this, this goddamn Johnny Walker. Uh, but yeah, still, <laughs> a good, still a good way to sign off to society, uh, Day of the Dead. For sure. Congratulations on Increment Vice. It is so well respected. It's such a cool undertaking. And I'm always impressed to see who you have on your show. I was so thrilled that Matt Stoller Zeitz was able to jump in, absolutely knock it out of the park, the scene that I was supposed to tackle, but scheduling kind of threw a wrench in that. And I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite thing about doing the show? And what surprised you the most that maybe you weren't expecting going in? Well, first off, let me just say, uh, uh, I love that you call it like the coolest thing, which because in fact, doing hosting a podcast about inherent vice is about the goddamn nerdiest thing a grown ass <laughs> can do. But, but I, I do thank you for again, hyping me up. So adroitly, look at you. Um, the <laughs> thing that I, which is, what was the question? of <laughs> What I like the most, plus what surprised me the most? Yeah, your um, favorite thing and what surprised mm, you. Um, my favorite thing about the show and the thing that surprised me are both the same thing. Um, how to put it? So, Inherent Vice is a film that I was deeply obsessed with long before I did the podcast, and maybe we can get into why after this but uh or after this question or whatever but uh it's just a film I've, I've thought about a lot and a lot more than most and if you can't tell already i think about movies way more than is healthy already so for one to really capture my attention like this it, it felt special and uh because of that i i you know i'm a i'm a repeater i don't know about you but i'm a repeater i will watch movies that i adore over and over and over and over and over again. I love them so much and I just want to luxuriate in them. And so with Inherent Vice, you know, by the time I decided or by the time I was convinced by the lovely Blake Howard of one <laughs> minute to to host a an Inherent Vice podcast on his network, I had already seen it way more times than it was healthy, maybe like, I don't know, 20 or 30 times um, in the last six years. And so I'd seen it a lot and it, you know, you watch something that much, it kind of ceases to be, you cease to be able to really see it objectively or maybe even clearly it's filtered through all of your preconceptions and it's filtered through what you love about it and what you, what you obsess about it and the, your favorite scenes and your favorite moments and your favorite music cues and your eyes are no longer fresh. And I think what surprised me was once I started talking to other people and, you know, some, there's some, some sharp folks on that show, you know, when you have people like Kim Morgan or who's just God pound for pound, one of the best film writers out there where you have, yes. you know, 
Ryan Johnson, who in between, you know, directing movies like A Star War and uh, Knives Out is coming on my silly show to talk about Neil Young and running in the ring. You get people like that or Walter Chaw or Matt Zoller Seitz um, and every other, including Jordan and Jed. And all of the guests we've had, what, what, what really surprised me was how their fresh eyes and perspectives on the film were so different from mine and that mm. when they gave those to me and when we talked about those, I would then go rewatch the movie and I would see it through their vantage and I would see it through the things that they picked up. And I realized that, and this is like a super obvious thing to realize, but you know, I'm an idiot. So as, as, as I think the listeners are quickly discerning here, it didn't occur Not to me at all. That, that when you watch a film through someone else's eyes, you're watching it through their experiences and you're watching it through their humanity. If I don't know a better word for it. And in the weirdest fucking way, it, you, it humanizes you and it, it really helps you to, you know, I, I think I have a tendency to be a little solipsistic at times and it, you're, you're kind of watching the movie from someone else's head because you're seeing what touches them and what affects them and what they noticed and things that you never saw and things that you would have never thought to connect and interpret in a certain way. And then you, you have someone like Kim Morgan on and she'll, she'll tell you something and how the movie affected her and how a certain scene touched her in a way that you might have, even though you've seen it 50 times, it just never occurred to you that maybe it means X instead of the Y that you thought it did. And all of a sudden, not only, not only does that open up this piece of art that you love and make it fresh and new and, and strange and alluring, it also helps you recognize that other person as exactly that, another person with their own set of feelings and their own set of mm-hmm. thoughts and their own set of interpretations. And it really kind of helps you recognize both the eternal strangeness of, of film and stories and how they land so differently with everyone else. But it also really helps you, I think, learn more about other people and recognize how different from you they are and how just kind of utterly weird and magical that is. And this, and God, that sounds so, it sounds like an after school special, um, but it's true. And that was the most surprising thing is how much I had to learn about this movie through other people and how much that actually allows me to learn about those other people that, that surprised me the most. And that's also become, that's also become my absolute favorite thing is, Mm -hmm. is just every time we do the show, I'm seeing this movie that I adore entirely differently because Someone else is bringing it to me and someone else is bringing their catalog of interpretations to me and digging in with me. And that's just that's an absolute blast. So that, that's one and the same. My, my my favorite thing and most surprising is just seeing it through other, through different eyes, which kind of allows me to see both the movie and that person in, in, in very different ways. And that's cool. I dig that a lot. I love that answer. That's so beautiful. I was going. Thank you. Yes. Well, I think leading in, that would make sense. If you were going to program a triple feature at the (laughs) New Beverly, Uh and you were going to introduce people to your taste in film. Oh, Jesus. I know. Well, I've got some rules for you, though, because, you know, you've kind of, yeah, you've started to let us in, and I. I know your obsessions, and now the listeners do as well. So the rules are, Travis, that mm. you can't choose Inherent Vice. Okay. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is also out. The sure. Long Goodbye is also out. And anything by De Palma is gone, too. So 
do you want me to go over this again? So no diploma, no inherited advice, once upon a time in Hollywood or the long goodbye. So come on, dazzle me with yes. Let I me dazzle you, you were... with my acumen. Um, yes. So triple well, feature, like oh, hi, meet me. But shit. Uh, I this knew is oh boy. You know what's you. what's funny is that. Uh, People aren't going to hear this, but there's going to be like an 18 minute dead ass silence as I stare at the <laughs> wall that Jen will hopefully cut out. Um, of course. God, oh my God. <laughs> um, well, you know, Jen, you really put me on the spot here. I um, know, right? Okay. It couldn't only be hype, Travis. I had to, you know, had to put you on the spot a little. Uh, you know what we're going to do here, Jen. i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do a quadruple feature. Can we make it a quadruple feature? Let's do you a quadruple feature. You do whatever feature. you'd like. You bet. Yeah, I, I sure as shit can. Okay, here's what we're <laughs> do. We're going to do a quadruple feature. We're going to call it, oh, can we do a, can, oh boy. Um, hmm. You can Wait do five if you want. Okay. Um. Yeah, we're gonna do five. We're gonna do a five. No, wait. Um. Cause now I got six. Hang on. I'm. 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 I'm trying to dial it back. Okay. So here's what we're gonna do. We're <laughs> gonna do a series. We're gonna do a film series, and we're gonna call it Love Is Strange. Okay. So. Okay. How do we do want to do this? All right. We're gonna open up with After Dark, My Sweet, Ooh. which is a one of your favorites. Yeah. Oh boy. A wildly underseen. Uh, 1990 film noir adaptation of a good old Jim Thompson rock gut, uh, hard boiled pot boiler. Um, it's about this uh, this guy, typical Jim Thompson fashion. You know, unreliable narrator might be totally out of his mind. He's an ex boxer, which is totally my shit. Uh, who <laughs> might may or may not be insane and hallucinating most of this. Who gets pulled into a kidnapping plot with a drunken widow. And her her lecherous pal, and there's a lot of you know twisty, turny, backstabby stuff. Um, the the lovely Rachel Ward plays the widow. Deeply underrated performance. I don't think that she gets a lot of credit for for, no. for being a great actress, but I think she she had a string of noir films like Sharky's Machine and this. Um, against all odds. And against all odds, which is a deeply dumb film, but a lot of fun to look at. It's like Chinatown, but a, it's like yeah. Chinatown, but about football. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm going to lead off with the Coachella set desert noir of After Dark, My Sweet, in which Jason Patrick, performance of his career, um, slowly is losing his mind if it isn't lost already during a kidnapping plot while falling in love with uh, Rachel Ward. Uh, we're going to follow that up we're going to take it up a notch. And you know what? We're going to follow that one up with 1983's Breathless with, by Jim McBride. We already talked about that. Um, we have to. Yeah. Guy on the run accidentally kills a cop uh, on the run from Vegas to L.A. Another L.A. set flick. Um, and it's just an absolutely gorgeous uh, pastel hued porn pop pastiche of the last 50 years of the 20th century. All just kind of rolled up into this just, just Nova uh, explosive comic book cornucopia. I'm going to use that one. Let's <laughs> use that one. Why not? My thesaurus is running dry here. Uh, cornucopia of, of American rock and roll and cinema and just energy and kind of a criticism of that as well. And it's a, it's a, it's a deeply um, self-reflexive and um, self-interrogating film. And it's just absolutely great. But it's also uh, in keeping with our, our Love is Strange theme. 
And let's see, how do we want to cap this off? I think, yeah, uh, we got to go with Badlands. Something short and sweet at the end of a triple feature. You want to do something kind of kind of brisk Badlands, which is maybe, uh, what is it? Maybe the greatest American film ever made. It's in the certainly in the running. Um, you can't go wrong when you got a film with, oh, you know what? Shit, I messed it up. We're going to do a quadruple feature. I apologize. Um we're going to use this because this film starts the great Warren Oates, the amazing Warren Oates, the man guy. Your Warren man. Oates. Yes. He is my man. Um, so, but anyway, uh, Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek uh, play murderous lovers on the run as they as they appear on my tattooed on my forearm here. Uh, and Warren Oates plays Sissy Spacek's dad. It's just a strange, dreamy. Uh, interrogation of what it means to to embrace the American dream and kind of the hollowness at the center and the weird emptiness behind the the James Dean mythos of the bad boy and it's it's just absolutely amazing and I don't know even why I'm talking about it anyone that listens to this podcast knows what the hell uh, knows what the hell Badlands is but but <laughs> so those are our three movies and let's say they end at around midnight at the wonderful new beverly cinema my favorite place on earth the most amazing theater on planet earth anyone who comes to la when this this uh fuck mayor of 2020 ends please do yourself a favor treat yourself to a 35 millimeter double feature at the new beverly beverly cinema with their amazing popcorn and their amazing hot dogs now we've got these three movies right we've got these three mm-hmm. movies now let's say it's about midnight and if you if you're feeling adventurous and you want to stick around for a midnight movie fourth feature to our love is strange uh series here it would have to be one of the most amazing films ever made one of the most bracing and ugly and beautiful and romantic films ever made and that is bloody sam peckinpah's bring me the head of alfredo garcia featuring the greatest performance by a human being ever which is warren oates playing a washed up american piano player at a shitty mexican bar and his girlfriend is a uh, sex worker who happens to have a romantic connection with this guy alfredo garcia who the local the local big guy the jefe wants dead and so basically warren oates makes it his mission to use the woman he loves to track this guy down and behead him and bring his head back thinking that if he does this, uh, all of the riches that it will give him will have made it all worth it and will make him finally a man and make him a man in the eyes of, of his woman. And, uh, you know, the ethos of the film, someone says, look, you know, they're looking at Warren Oates in the movie and they say, what a loser. And he snaps back. Nobody loses all the time, which is my <laughs> God, what a pure an amazing statement that is and for anyone that reads my 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 stuff they know that uh that my capital m capital s my shit tends to be uh, uh uh toxic masculinity in need of redemption and boy oh boy if there was ever if there was ever an avatar for that it would probably be warren oates as benny in bring me the head of alfredo garcia which is just I don't know. Just one of the greatest films ever made, and it's um, it's an ugly film, and it's a real, it's got a, it's got a real kick to it. But beneath its ugliness, you know, I was talking to the great Kim Morgan about it once. It's, it's one of the most absolutely unflinchingly romantic films ever made. So yeah, that's that's my pick. That's my 
four-hour exegesis into uh, response to your question. Uh, it would be a triple feature at the New Beverly, and it would be uh, it would be uh, After Dark, My Sweet, followed by Breathless, followed by Badlands. And if you want to be a big boy or big girl and stay out for the midnight movie, it'd be uh, we'd follow that up with uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. Okay. Well, I hope they're going to do this because I have been planning. <laughs> the New Beverly listens yes, to me. And- I know. I was planning to come to LA this summer, and I thought, oh, well, God. I would ha- I would have hung out with you and Jordan, and we probably would have gone to the New Beverly. But yeah, now yeah, somebody will listen to this and you know program one of these or all four maybe, Clinton, and that's what we're going to do. You listen to this? Come on, let's get on this. Yeah. Find that 35 mil of uh, of Alfredo Garcia. Let's see that on the big yes. screen. Let's do it. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Oh, and you know what? Uh, you, you shouldn't ask me this question because now I got more. We also we're gonna need somewhere along the line. We're gonna need to do Sunset Boulevard, of course. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know what? You know what? We're gonna do Lost Highway. Why not? Lynch's Lost Highway. Underrated. Underrated. It's better it than really everybody. Is. We're gonna watch that. That's a, but that's a whole other double feature. And you shouldn't ask me that question because I'm going to I'm going to email you back in a panic and give you like 50 more answers after this. That's OK. I love that. All right. Yeah. Well, you asked for it. Yeah. OK. We need a whole film festival then. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm sitting here. Shit. You know, I should have said. <laughs> uh, God damn it. Uh, you know, <laughs> you say don't do De Palma, but Body Double deserves to be seen on that big screen. It really does. Body Double. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, you think this this is this is this is gonna go bad really quick because I've had too much to drink and you're asking me for fantasy double features so yeah um, but yeah we're gonna stick with that four for right now if you're gonna tell me no to Palma no Once Upon a Time no Inherent Vice yeah those are my horses that's that's who I go with yeah. right now okay that works God you're poor Look, listener no are you kidding they're gonna love this you're gonna make everybody just like rush over to Amazon right from here and just buy like all of these movies. Well, you know, of all the ones I've talked about and I'm going to be again, a total whore here. Um, I'm going to take over your show again and say this of all of them. If, if you haven't seen something, if you haven't seen any of the ones I've mentioned, please go see rent or illegally torrent. If you have to, there's a fine Blu-ray from twilight time as well as from arrow video. Watch Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. It is an amazing, dangerous film. And I say dangerous because it's right when Sam was really kind of sinking into the the muck. His his buds his his buds his boots were really getting stuck in the mud of his uh, alcoholism and addiction to cocaine. Mm-hmm. And it's the film in his immaculate up till then and precise filmography of films like you know Straw Dogs and uh, Ride the High Country and The Wild Bunch. Um, it was the first film where you could feel the 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 car starting to slip out of gear and start mm-hmm. to run off the road, but it stays between the ditches for this for this whole film. Uh, and it, it, there's something dangerous about that. And it's it's also it's it's a, a deeply disturbing self portrait of Sam knowing that he was losing his mind, but also again it, so redemptive and kind and human. And romantic, so much more than I think he's given credit for as a director. I think he's just seen as a tough guy that shoots people in slow motion and, and hates women. <laughs> um, and I don't think he was really any of those things. I think he was a deeply complicated and tormented soul that was trying with that film to show what a dead end that those kind of things led to and really kind of 
excoriate and crucify his own misogyny and self-loathing and excesses and fuck here you go you've got me going on a whole thing here anyway bring me the head of alfredo garcia it's greatest film ever made starring the greatest human being who ever lived warren oates and i highly recommend everyone check it out have you written about it (laughs) how dare you uh (laughs) yes i have actually that was one of the that was a big one i wrote a couple years back um there's a very there's a very complicated uh, sequence at the heart of that film uh, that I'm not going to get into here uh, because it's, it's a very spoilery territory. But um, it's a deeply, let's just say it's a deeply misunderstood film, I think. And I think a lot of people miss that because the film portrays disgusting, deplorable yeah. behavior, that it's endorsing that behavior. When, in fact, the film is straight up underlining and saying this behavior is disgusting. And by the way. I've been doing it myself, I being Peckinpah. And it was it's, it's, it's definitely a film uh, where a man is looking in the mirror and having a reckoning and realizing what a failure he is as a person and hoping that there's just enough time left um, to redeem himself after that reckoning. You know, again, I say that, you know, the theme of that movie is nobody loses all the time. And I think that that was not just an expression of the character. I think it was a prayer for the director and uh, just just an incredibly excoriating and uh, gorgeous Ugly, gorgeous, ugly, beautiful film. And again, every, and I have written about it. And but don't worry about that. Everyone just go watch the movie. Just go watch that movie. It's 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 just pure cinema. It's it's amazing. I haven't seen it in years, but I kind of got the same takeaway from it. I thought it was a confessional film oh, for Peck exactly. and Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's a perfect word for it. It's a confessional. It's um, it's a confessional in the very Catholic sense of the word. Mm-hmm. In that, it's a confession with a plea for forgiveness and a plea for redemption and a plea for the light to be shown on your face and forgive you and, and to be of service to something other than yourself and your, your appetites. And it's, so yeah, you, that's a confession in the, the Catholic sense and is, is a perfect, perfect description of bringing the head of Alfredo Garcia. Look at you. See one word and you, I spent like 30 minutes talking about the thing you threw out one word. No, this will probably just venture into another opus of yours. Do you have any other ideas for another podcast you would want to do <laughs> after Inherit Vice? Oh, or you'd God, like, Jesus, you'd like to stop? No. Um, You're like, I need a year off after that? Or what are you thinking? Um, yeah, I mean, if I take more than a day off, I'm probably going to start to panic that I'm not doing enough with my life. Um, <laughs> no, there's been some ideas. I, I, there's for sure one in the hopper, but I'm, I'm not really at Liberty oh, no. to talk about it. Um, but I will say that if it goes down, literally no one who knows me will be surprised at the subject matter. Absolutely no one. Um, and that, that's funny. I said it. there's actually two in the hopper and um, both of them. If, if, if I were to say what they were, it, a population of, of absolute zero would cock their eyebrow and surprise at it. it it's very much, <laughs> very much things in my wheelhouse, but um, there are also things that I probably shouldn't talk about yet, especially. Oh because yeah. They haven't happened, and plus, I don't want someone to to, to rip them off. But um, mm-hmm. if all goes well, there there are some really cool things uh, coming in the pipeline. But I just can't talk about them yet because I can't talk about them yet. I can't talk about why I can't talk about them yet. But yes, there are things in the hopper, um, and yeah. So you 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 poor bastards, you're gonna hear my voice for for a long time to come, probably. 
Well, I'm thrilled. I can't wait. And <laughs> we got to get this festival off the ground because I want to watch all of these again, like right now. Well, you know, hey, Quentin, if you're listening, a Travis Woods Film Fest doesn't sound like too bad an idea at the new Bev once we once you guys reopen. I'm here. I'm here, baby. Yeah. I'm here. Call me. You know my number. Um, but yeah, yeah, we yeah, I would definitely love to do that. It's not going to happen, but I, I, would, I would definitely take advantage of that. Okay. Well, last question I was going to ask you is you recently moved and you shared some amazing candid photos of your like museum quality film poster oh. collection. Oh, my God. Do you have any <laughs> highlights you'd like to share? Oh and are there God. any treasures you're still looking for? How, how does how, – how, it's like peeling an onion what you're doing. You're just finding deeper and deeper levels of my nerdetry. um uh you know if there's any people out there that uh, collect uh you know the mondo posters these uh which are very limited edition screen prints um there's there's kind of a crown jewel artist by the name of tyler stout uh who makes these really bizarre kind of skate punk street punk uh interpretations of film posters i would say if i had any crown jewels um, I have a, I have a Lebowski print of his, uh, that is, I mean, God, I think that thing goes for like two grand now in the aftermarket, mm-hmm. um, which is just stupid for a piece of paper, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I have, I have a, a beautiful Kill Bill, uh, by him that was commissioned specifically, I believe for the new Beverly's once in a lifetime screening of Kill Bill, the whole bloody affair version. Oh wow! Uh, of Kill Bill, which is just the singular mm-hmm. monolithic opus with that isn't split in two, which I was lucky enough to see uh, on Tarantino's birthday at the theater. Um, and hey, hey, to keep bringing it back because I want to keep horn for this flick. I just had a giant four feet by six feet uh, original, original hung in the movie theater gigantic print of again jay mcbride's breathless i just got that framed and up on the wall and it is absolutely gorgeous absolutely gorgeous um but my god jen who could who who wants to hear about posters in, in the middle of a plague like who but you, who, who but you and i are going to talk about this but yeah i would i would say those um uh, there's an amazing artist by the name of tula lote um, and I have some work of hers, including a body double, body double sketch and the Mulholland Drive and um, let's see, uh, Blue Velvet. Uh, you know, those are some of the uh, those are some of the heavy hitters. I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot, but I've also had a lot to drink tonight. So um, yeah, also some lovely works of art um, mm-hmm. from uh, the Bright Wall Dark Room artists like uh, Brianna Ashby and Tony Stella. Um, mm-hmm. I've pestered them persistently and brutally until they've given me some of their artwork and i i feel i feel very 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 lucky to to be able to see those in my home yeah they're incredible well i want to thank you so much for sharing your taste making everybody want to rush out and watch breathless and bring (laughs) me the head of alfredo garcia and thank you so much travis this has been a blast i really enjoyed this I I adore you and your show, and I appreciate you having me on and letting me ramble for far too long, far far too long. Anytime. <laughs> but thanks for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or Film Intuition on social media and Letterboxd, and this is Watch with Jen and Friends. 